Welcome to Movies Charles Hadn't Seen, episode 91. My name is Crossman. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. Each week, Wilson and I share a classic movie we have seen with Charles that he hasn't seen. This week, we watch the 2014 movie, It Follows. So, Charles, tell us about it. Okay, so a young suburban woman goes on a date, uh, and they have sex, and then she finds out that she's been given a sexually transmitted curse where she will forever be followed by a creature that slowly walks towards her and will kill her if it reaches her, and then it'll go after all of the previous people down the line if she is killed. So she and her friends spend most of the movie escaping from the creature and trying to find ways to kill it. And eventually they hatch up a plan to go to a swimming pool and try to electroshock it by throwing appliances into it after they lure it into the pool. Um, but that doesn't work. Um, but they do get into the pool and shoot it in the head twice. And it may or may not be dead. And so it ends with her walking around and I guess still being afraid that it's still around because you can't be sure that it's gone. Right. Uh, this was my pick. It was. Uh, for, for It Follows. Um, we've talked about this movie a lot. Uh, it's, it's come up numerous times when we've, we discussed horror movies last year and already this year. Um, we've, we've talked about it. So it just felt like time that we we finally get to what feels like one of the early entries in this new horror tradition that we've been developing for the last few years. Um, that probably really starts with Cabin in the Woods or Babadook around there, but this is a major entry in it. Um, and more of a hit than those movies were in a lot of ways. Um, and this is just a great movie. I like it a lot. Um, I think that it is thought-provoking. I think it does things within the genre that we don't normally see. I think it's a strong lead performance from Micah Monroe. Um, so I, I, and especially noteworthy because it's a, a first-time director. Like this is his first feature-length film. Um, so I think that there's a lot going on here um, and a lot to discuss, and still really functions as a genre movie as well. Um, it's it's un, it, this this is not one of those movies where someone is going to say like, is this really a horror movie? Yes, this is like very <laughs> obviously really a horror movie. Um, but it's it still manages to do something novel within that space. And I think that it's noteworthy for that reason. Um, what do you think about this one, Crossman? I like this movie a lot. Good. I think it's scary, very <laughs> intense. Um, it's beautifully shot. It really uh, does amazing things with the landscape and the sort of like Goosebumps-esque <coughs> setting of like vaguely suburban, vaguely fall. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Like plays with that a lot. Yeah. The kind it, of Stephen King setting. And with yeah. like the the contrast between like the suburban portion, which is the bulk of the film, and like the dilapidated area of Detroit that they shoot in, like there's a contrast there. Yeah. They use well. Um, and they, uh, this director is from Detroit or near Detroit, um, so I, I think there's a lot of affection for this city in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It does a good job of like making the it's sort of. It's Lake Michigan, right? No, that's where Detroit is, yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> yeah. Areas seem like very beautiful, even though it's like one of the most like devastated parts of the country. Yeah, well, and it doesn't shy away from that, right? Like, there are numerous sequences where they're crawling around mm -hmm. dilapidated houses and, yeah. you know, passing by this crumbling infrastructure and everything. Also, they are in the like <coughs> sheltered suburb part, right? They even talk yes. about not being able to go beyond a certain point because that's where like the shitty part of the city is, right? Yeah, or the dangerous they, part. They can't go south to Eight Mile. Yeah, that's where Eminem is from. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you might hear some of his music. Don't go there. <laughs> you don't go there. Did yeah. you 
find this scary, Charles, since we're in yeah, definitely. October? Okay. Yeah. It was definitely scary. Uh, it was very intense. Uh, I had this kind of feeling of dread and foreboding the entire way through, Yeah. Uh, which it was very effective at doing. Thankfully, it's not the kind of thing that'll keep me up at night or that'll like linger in my head like a few things I've seen in the past. <laughs> um, but obviously, that's very arbitrary. So, But uh, yeah, this movie's very effective. Did you like it? Yeah, I'd say so. Okay. I don't know if I hold it like as highly as all the praise that I've heard, but I can appreciate that it's very well made and I enjoyed the experience and what it's trying to do. Uh, and I absolutely love the look of this movie. Um, as Crossman mentioned earlier, right? I think the cinematography of this movie is stunning. Um, even like the, the color palette they use, I like a lot. Something feels very modern about it. Um, but yeah, lots of cool camera angles. You get a lot of those lingering shots where you're like really far away. You're like, you know, you're like a stalker looking in at yeah. the scene and the camera will slowly zoom in, right? And there's just something very uneasy about that camera angle combined with like the background sounds and the music um, that just really ran ratchets up the feeling of unease. Yeah, well, um, and it's, especially with those like lingering gazing shots, like yeah, because exactly. you're you're left with like you're you're wondering like, are we gazing in or are we looking at it from the perspective of the thing following them, right? Like, and you're never yeah. quite sure if it's there or not. Yeah, which I think speaks to that dread that you're you, you mentioned earlier, which is very present. Yeah, movie. and I love a lot of those very stark camera angles, the ones where like the car is like perfectly in the side view, mm -hmm. or when the monster is grabbing her leg in the swimming pool and they have that perfect side view there yeah, when it's getting shot at. Shot. I yeah. love shots yeah. like that. Uh, you can't use them all the time because they're very, like, they stand out a lot mm -hmm. and it would look weird to have it all the time, but used sparsely, they look incredible. Yeah, you get it at, right at the beginning of this movie too, where you have the girl that is on the beach yeah. with the lights, her headlights right on her, right in the center of the frame while she's calling her dad, and then like her grisly you know, murder right after that, also framed dead center. Um, so he establishes that visual motif early on. Yeah, and I do think that scene was even more effective because it didn't use any like loud noises or anything. Yeah. I feel like a lower brow horror film would make like a loud screaming jump scare sound as you see <coughs> her like mangle the body, right? right? And this way it's a lot more creepy and unsettling it's like quiet. It's a very quiet movie. Yeah. They rely on the music a lot. Yeah. yeah I noticed that this time around. And I, I did yeah. love the music in this one. I love well, that kind of. Yeah, it's I love like that gritty, like horror electronic sound. Yeah it's, yeah, it's very John Carpenter influence. Like, right. It's a little more modern because it's more distorted. Like they play around with how crunchy it sounds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, which sounds fresher. It sounds newer. Yeah. But yeah. I like that a lot. I think your reaction of like liking it but not loving it kind of like echoes the. Rotten Tomatoes ratings. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Where what the, are doing there? Because the critic one is like 97%. So, okay. like, yeah. universal acclaim. <coughs> one of the greats. Right. Audience score is like 66%. Okay. So, it's like, you know. I mean, it's, so, people like it, but right. it's not like an Adoring audience it. favorite. Well, and yeah. I'm thinking that the slasher fan, right, is not going crazy for this movie. Right, like there, there are moments where you, like you get that opening shot where they, where you see it, like what the thing can do when they establish the stakes. Yeah. But, like this movie isn't all about jump scares. It's there's a couple and it teases a lot of them, but it's not doing typical horror things most of the time. It's it's referencing like old horror, mm -hmm. of like a very slow moving creature. Yes. 
rem like Frankenstein or the Mummy is obviously right. like this is like pre eighties Michael Myers. Yeah. 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 I, yeah that's yeah. You're right. Like yeah. Michael Myers. I did find it interesting <laughs> that I don't think there was a single quote unquote real jump scare in the whole movie. There were a few like fake ones to like kind of throw you off a bit, mm -hmm. like when they throw the ball at the window or the yeah. glass breaking in the distance. Uh, those were very sudden and they got me a little bit. But I don't think there were any, like, real, like, full-on jump scares. The one that always gets me is um, when it, it first, like, really starts coming after her, and she sees yeah. the, like, woman in her kitchen, and she runs away from that. Yes. Yeah. And you're, ex you're expecting about. that same person to, like, follow her into the room, and instead it's this, like, giant... Uh, <laughs> yeah, and he, like... The tall yeah. guy. He, he, he moves slowly but suddenly. Yeah. Right? Like there's a really strange gait yeah. to how he is moving about in the space that is so yeah. unsettling. Yeah. 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 I yeah, don't call that a jump scare like because what you're yeah. he appears yeah. slowly enough that it wasn't sudden enough to like make me jump, but yeah. it was also quick enough that it's like very scary and unsettling. Yeah. yeah. The one that I remembered going in, because I haven't seen this movie since I saw it in the theater. So Same. The yeah. one I remembered going into this viewing was when they're on the beach and they're like, the thing is coming after them, and it's like a really high action, high tension moment. And there's like a lull in the action, and they have that hole at the bottom of the door, yeah. and the kid like pops out of yeah. there. Like that, I think, was the closest to a traditional jump scare. Yeah, I that's true. But it was telegraphed enough that it wasn't surprising. It, it got me in the theater. It didn't yeah. get me this time because I knew it was there, but it definitely got yeah. me in the theater. Okay. Uh, when I saw it, so I was kind of like, oh man, here, here we go. Um, <laughs> and then I didn't. I don't think I noticed this on my first viewing, but that kid, because the thing changes shape, right, appears as different people. That kid was just like the kid that drives by on his bike every now and then. Yeah, like recognize him later in the movie. Yeah, 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 they show him later in the movie. But yeah. he might have been one of the kids that's like peeking over their fence. I think so. Yeah. And he like, has no lines. But yeah. like, there he is. Yeah, you like, see he's him. just this presence that can, you know, take on any any form, right? Yeah, they play with that a lot. That yeah. are like kind of here as your family right. um, or with, friends. With a lot of mascara. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. And the, they do it with the very first appearance, right, where she's looking down at it from a distance in the parking garage, or abandoned parking garage, and, like, that, the, the monster works out to be the guy's mother that they meet later on. Like, that's... Was it? I, yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't see her face or anything. <laughs> well, yeah, when she gets closer, you, you can spot it, and, like, that, that's the form But it's not chasing the guy anymore. It, that, that's who it was. Like, okay. Yeah, like you can, you, you, you get a good look at her yeah. do we, much do we later know in the movie. who it was when it was like the woman in her kitchen? I didn't recognize her. I'm not sure. I don't know. Um, but it, <laughs> the one in the pool, though, I don't, I don't know if you picked up on that one. That one I did catch afterwards. Yeah, yeah that's her dad. They, yeah. Yeah. It's very subtle, but they do it I, I like, well. I like yeah. that. It's a nice touch. They didn't explain it or anything. Well, they, I mean, yeah, they sort of explain it by having a long, lingering camera shot on a photo later. <laughs> right. Yeah, it ends um, up being her dad. Yeah you, yeah. Get, yeah, you get a shot of a photo before that and then another one after it, but the, the character never shows up in the movie outside of uh, as the, the monster. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I think plenty of people watched that and didn't, didn't catch exactly who that was. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think most of them are not all of them, but most of them are people they know. So like the old lady was not the giant tall guy was not, and I didn't spot the woman in the kitchen. But I think basically everyone else was a character that is in the movie or at least appears in passing. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, which is all the more unsettling. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the most common read of this movie is that it's about STDs. 
right? Like that's <laughs> that I think is well, the, it, well, that's how you when you just explain the premise. <laughs> right. It literally is that, right? Well, in a sense, yeah. right? Like it, it is like I think that's the level zero reading, and there is some merit to it. Um, and I've seen a lot of people comment on that that this is really just about like it's almost almost like an anti-sex reading of this film. Um, but I'm not sure if that is exactly what's going on. And I think I want to. I, I think there's so much thematically to this film um, that I want to talk about that. So I mean, what did what did you guys think that this movie was about? Like, what did you take away from it? Like, you've already talked about feelings yeah. of dread and things like that. And I think that that's a major point of what this film is getting at. Yeah. So like, I mean, you go into it with the STD reading of it because it <laughs> seems to be the most obvious, yeah. right? But I didn't really feel like it tied that closely to it mm -hmm. just based on like you know how the characters are reacting to it and what it does to the characters and that kind of thing it didn't feel that close um, I agree. it felt more closely tied with um, like sexual trauma I guess is the interesting term. okay um, right. so you can imagine like her being a sexual assault survivor or something mm -hmm. like that right and what that would how that would affect how she interacts with future sexual partners or with her friends, right? And so she's dealing with like, you know, her PTSD or things like that, and her friends can't see it because they haven't experienced this trauma. Oh, this is a good read. Um, and so she's kind of on her own trying to deal with it, but she has to try to, you know, vocalize <coughs> it to her friends and all that, right? And mm -hmm. she has this problem where um, she doesn't want to be intimate with anyone else because of this trauma that she holds. Mm -hmm. Uh, now, it's not the exact reason why she doesn't do it in the movie, but it, it's sort of similar. It's a metaphor, right? right? Um, yeah. But, like, eventually she gets together with the Paul character, I think that's his name, um, and learns to, like, live with it with someone else, and they can kind of work together to, to deal with it. Um, yeah, that, that's not what I was thinking of, but I think that's actually a really, really good read. That seems like it's, it's kind of on the money for me, um, especially the bit about, like, the other folks not being able to see it. Right, and like her having to vocalize it to them, and like them having to trust her, yeah. explaining her own experience and what she's seeing. I, I definitely think the first part of the movie could definitely read that <coughs> way, like her first experience <coughs> before she knows the monster, like that. That one definitely because it is very dramatic. She's essentially kidnapped, and yeah, and she's extremely she's upset and. Yeah, but she's she gets chloroform. She gets chloroform yeah. by this. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, super creepy. It's yeah, she's hospitalized. Yeah, like, it's very traumatic. Um, she's hospitalized a couple times. In this yeah, movie. later yeah. later in the film, it feels like it, it's more about like guilt or regret, where it's like that's mm -hmm. always kind of like going after you. And I could yeah, mm -hmm. the notion of like having past partners or that you kind of like regret or it definitely though it seems like it's much more about like just the notion of like death in general yes. that it's like you know it's it's after everybody it'll get you eventually yeah i can and, see that but that seems yeah. like the least interesting interpretation because that theme yeah. is done everywhere and also it not affecting her friends like it seems kind of throw that yeah. throws that off. I think that it gets at so I mean, like my reading of this film, like broadly speaking, is that I think it gets at that fear of death via a fear of aging. I think what this movie is actually about is uh, the instinct to retreat to youth in the face of your own mortality, 
And I think that you see that depicted whenever they're running away from the thing, right? Mm -hmm. So you look at when, when she, like for example, when she first sees the old lady at her high school, right? Where, where does she run to? She runs to an ice cream shop, right? When she's running out of her house, she goes to a playground. When they retreat to the that beach space after they like both houses get shut down, it's the it's the beach where this guy used to go to with his dad when he was young, right? So it's it's constant in that they're looking at these youthful spaces to retreat to when they're when they're faced with the trauma or the threat mm -hmm. of death or the the pool. The is pool from is childhood as yes, well, their like old the pool at their old high school, right? Like over and over again, I think that you, you see them retreating to youth when they're afraid of dying. And I think that connects to death because death, or not to death, that connects to sex because sex is, you know, that's why they call it in France, the, the, the petite mort, right? The, the little death when you, when you uh, come during, during sex. Because what the biological imperative of sexual intercourse is to create a child to replace yourself when you die. So having sex, is naturally a rite of passage within a person's life, right? Like it's something you always remember the first time you do it, right? Like it's this step into adulthood, right? That, that you know, is a, such a fundamental part of the, the human experience. But it's also a reminder that yes, I am an adult now, I am closer to death, I have the capability to create something that will replace me and I need to replace myself because I'm not gonna be here anymore mm -hmm. at some point. And I think that that is what this movie is, is moving towards. And I think you see references to that throughout the film. Uh, the girl that's reading The Idiot, uh, the Dostoevsky novel on her weird clamshell reader <laughs> thing. <laughs> where, where does that come from? Um, she talks, yeah, is, is that a real thing? No, yeah, I, apparently it's, it's not. Like they, they, because the, the director was asked many times when this movie was made, like, what's the deal with this? <laughs> this is a clamshell reader. It's, he said that they made it for the movie. Um, and that part of the reason they did that, and this I think again gets back to the same theme of aging and fear of death, is that they wanted this movie to feel a little bit out of time. Right? Yeah. Like there's a lot of anachronistic the, the, the design choices, especially in homes. They spend a lot of the movie watching or watching old black and white films and like B movie reels. On like CRT TVs. I'm like yeah, I'm like really old TVs, right? Like a lot the of the station wagon was the most noticeable. A lot of the vehicles, yeah, are yeah. also really old. Um, the clothing even is very old. The stuff that they're throwing into the pool that just does not end up killing the thing. I mean, look at it. It's a typewriter. It's like an old beat up. Uh, desk lamp, you know, right? Like yeah. it's all this like shitty old electronics to suggest that this is not exactly taking place in a real time because mm -hmm. that's what these characters want. They want to be removed from time, right? Right. That's why they keep retreating back into their childhood. That's also why we see so few adults in this film, right? Like we get a couple shots of parents, but most of the shots of parents are pictures of parents, memories yeah. of parents, right? There's little adult direction and the most that we get from parents in this movie is when they take form, the form of something horrible. Right, like that's why it, it's the monster at the end that is their father. It's the mother that kills the cool guy across the street. Like it, 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 you see, the parents become a reminder of your own mortality. Mm -hmm. You see yourself moving closer to where your parents are, and I think that that's really what this movie is talking about. I think I think it's a movie that's about you confronting adulthood for the first time, and the re, the very natural response to that is to to retreat into youth. Um, the return of the Dostoevsky girl, when she's talking about the idiot, that's exactly that last quote that she's talking about. The, t the, the scary thing about torture isn't the physical pain, right? It's the knowledge that you will receive physical pain in an hour. You will receive physical pain in a minute. 
you will receive physical pain in 30 seconds. So that the, the, the knowledge of your, the certainty of your death and the certainty of your, your impending dread and impending, impending physical torture is worse than the fact of it. And that's what these characters are, are experiencing throughout the film. So yeah. I think that that's when I get out of this movie. Mm -hmm. it, it definitely struck me just being about like, <clears throat> just like gaining maturity in general. Yes. That like you, <clears throat> also being like on the cusp of maturity where you have like friends who are like. Not there yet. Yeah, mm -hmm. a bit more childish. And like slowly like parts of the group like gain maturity, but not everybody. And it's kind of like left unresolved. Right, and, I, and then, it, you see that like early in the film when she's first coming back from having sex with this guy and she gets the speech about the premise of the movie. What are, what are her friends doing? They're playing Old Maid, right? Like a child's game, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, and I, so I think that is right to your point. I never played that. I didn't, I didn't know what they were playing. <laughs> yeah, it's just a, it's a very simple child's card game, like, okay. gold, like Goldfish or something like that. Okay. Yeah, you don't want to get stuck with the Old Maid. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. That's, that, that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, they, and they were even using like, a like clearly an old version of the cards like that looked like stuff from the 60s or something. yeah mm -hmm. right like you just look at the art of it um, so I, I think that's that's what's going on here um, and then you, you see I mean even at the end of the film where she ends up sleeping with Paul and they are able to move forward with this together still aware of the the impending death that is that's looming around them and constantly dreading it but able to move forward as two people that are aware of this thing but now have one another to to bond with, as opposed to the character who dies earlier in the film that lives across the street, who ignores the threat of death, lives as though it's not there, and is killed mm -hmm. because of it. Yeah, he's like the cool kid. He's like, yeah, he's, yeah. he's the cool kid. He whatever. Can do whatever he wants, teenage invulnerability, that kind of thing. He smokes. Yeah. <clears throat> he smokes, right? Yeah. Um, same thing you see uh, when they're when they're on the beach. Uh, they they go to that that beach space and they're they're hiding out there when they really have like the highest action moment of the film, right before the creature approaches them, what happens? She gets a gun, and they start drinking beer, right? <laughs> like, they engage, they engage in these adult activities, right? And, like, kind of dangerous adult activities, and that's when the monster shows up. Um, so I think that there are so many moments in this film that call back to, to this idea, that it's about the, the fear of aging, and how that is really a fear of death. Uh, and, and the fear of mortality. Yeah, it's set in the fall, and like, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of like on the nose <laughs> stuff. Yeah, like uh, once you start looking for it, it's everywhere. The professor is reading like a, from Lazarus. Yep. Which is like about death. And yep. <laughs> yeah, and about yeah. avoiding death, right? Yeah. And about like cheating death, right? Like that is. Yeah, and all the mind. creatures like appear kind of like angelic in a way, and that they're like draped in like white clothing and it's right. like or nude or nude <laughs> yeah. um and it yeah it all it looks like sleepwear like they're sleepwalking mm -hmm. yeah <clears throat> which is the, the pace they're moving at a lot of the time yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah i think that i think that that is really uh -huh. the the core of this this film and yeah. like why i get so much out of it and why i find it so rich i i saw this film at bam Oh really? Okay. Uh, which is like this antique theater. I've been there in, many times in Brooklyn, yeah. and that was like a great setting to. Bam's a great, it's such a good theater. Watch it because it yeah. looks like a haunted theater. Nice. Yeah. And the, if I recall correctly, this was released like around Halloween um, in 2014. I remember seeing it in the spring. I think. Oh, I might be remembering. Right. Wrong. Yeah. I could certainly be wrong, but. Um, Anyways, I, it, it felt like it was the perfect 
setting for the movie. Yeah, I was like this very like gothic, like haunted theater. Like, yeah, I remember. I remember. I, I saw it at a big old AMC, just like <laughs> the, the one in yeah. Times Square. Yeah. And I was like, what's this movie doing here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was still good, not well attended. <laughs> I uh, that in my. I don't remember screen. my showing being sold out either. Yeah, yeah, um, but. Yeah, it was it was a, a hell of a, a theater experience. I remember being more scared in the obviously more scared in the theater than I was at home. This yeah, time for sure. Yeah, well, it's always scary as the first time. You don't know what's coming. Yes, it's, it's still definitely. tense though because like we're even watching it this time around. It was like uh, like I know what's <laughs> coming, especially that first when it comes into her house the first time. That's that one really gets me. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's kind of the creepiest design. Yeah, right? like and you get all these like really. Close close-ups. Yeah, you're so combined of, of by the, the figure. space and you're <clears throat> trapped. Yeah. such a tiny-looking house. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Um, th yeah, this is another one where there, you question the character's decision-making a lot because <laughs> they keep like running into confined spaces. Yeah, and, like you know that that's bad. Like, hey, you're why supposed wouldn't to... you run outside? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. And like that keeps it like. Although she does run outside and she's on the swings and she's looking around, there's trees everywhere. Yes. And yeah. It, it's not as safe as you think it would feel. Because you're never actually safe from death, right? Yeah. It's yeah. always coming to get you. It's always in the background. Yeah, they do a good job <clears throat> of undercutting a lot of the genre in a few different ways. And one of those ways is that, like, the main characters, like, do come up with, like, a fairly competent plan as to, like, how they're going to, like, deal yes. with the creature. Once they kind of, like, figure it out, they're able to, like, put things together. Right, but the plan doesn't work. <laughs> like that's the thing. Like Do, they, they get it? There. I don't know if it mechanically yeah. would work. Yeah, because they they t their plan was to, like electrocute it, right? To, like yeah. get it into the water and electrocute it. That doesn't work. They just shoot it a bunch. Yeah. Until they can like kind of get away from it. Yeah, like but they were able to like put that together. Like they worked right. together yeah. as like a team to <laughs> right. like do that. It wasn't like a hey, let's split up and run yeah. into the woods thing, which she do, which is her first reaction. That's right. what she does. But and, I I think what's significant about yeah. that their plan is that it involves destroying so much history, right? Because what they're, th what they're tossing into, uh, like we talked about earlier, what they're tossing into the pool is all this old shit that's lying around their house. Yeah. And like that's how they learn to cope with death is by getting rid of the baggage. Like literally, in this case, getting rid of the objects of their, of their past, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's how they come to a point where they can kind of live with it. Yeah. And I, I think that that's important. Making a face. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if it struck me. Uh, some of the design choices felt a little like Wes Anderson-esque, where it was like sometimes a little too cute. The, uh, yeah, this lot of like yeah. you know knickknack. The, the typewriter like threw me. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean that's yeah. his go-to you know thing. Yeah, for, for Wes. Yeah. <laughs> In general, I do like the design of this movie, um, and I like that they don't have or need cell phones. Well, uh, yeah. The uh, only thing the we story. see is the the clamshell reader. For, yeah, and I don't. But I don't think like machine. cell phones would have like helped them. Right. Yeah. Right. But they uh, are notably absent. Yeah. You are correct again because at this time, people this age wouldn't have had cell phones when they were kids. Right. I think yeah. that's part of it. That like they they wouldn't that wouldn't have. Well, been we don't part know what lives. time it is, do we? Yeah. It's like right. it's like vaguely nineties. It's it's uh, it's very reminiscent of Stranger <coughs> Things. Stranger okay. Things like sets itself in a very specific time in the '80s, but the, the look of Stranger Things is very similar to like what this film is. Doing. I feel like I a lot of like suburban homes have not changed much since the '80s. Yeah, and so even now they'd probably look the same, right? Like well, that's yeah. why I read a lot about how anachronistic 
uh, a lot of the elements of this movie were, mm -hmm. and it's intentional to make you feel unsettled, but yeah. it didn't really throw me off because I just get the feeling like people tend to accumulate <clears throat> shit over time, and it'd be reasonable for a suburban family to just have stuff from the 70s and 80s lying around. Yeah, totally. Um, so it didn't bother me that much. Yeah, I guess, I, I, don't think, I don't know if it bothered me, but I certainly noticed it. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, it, it did like place this movie outside of a specific timeline, which I think was the intended effect. Yeah. Um, and I think you see it most in the, again, the decorating choices in the homes, right? Like you see a lot of, it, I mean, it looks like it was designed by a grandma in the 70s, <laughs> right? Like so much of this, the clutter, the, the upholstery, like all this stuff looks really tacky and old yeah. and not modern, very specifically unmodern. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, again, planned. Right. Yeah. The the other ways that the film kind of undercuts itself is like places where you expect jump scares, they like don't happen. So and then things like do happen in, in ways that like you don't expect. Like they do a good job of like playing like they know the genre really well mm -hmm. and they're like undercutting it in ways that are like interesting. <clears throat> what it comes to mind is like when they're looking for the the kid that she went out with at the beginning mm -hmm. of the film, they go to this like abandoned row house in Detroit, and you're like, "This is it! Any moment, it's gonna <laughs> jump gonna out!" And it's a long scene, and yep. like you never see yeah. the see the creature there. Right. The, the, what you get is part of the wall breaking down because yeah. while Michael yeah. Burrow is looking at it, and just some other yeah. friend on the other side, and then. When they're on the beach, you see the creature from way off, yeah. and there's no like jump scare. And well, it walks see what all I thought was yeah. well done about this movie is there's lots of scenes where there's one person walking right at the camera, but only about half of them. Yes, uh, I love it. Only in half of them is it actually the monster. Well, yeah. th let's just say it might still be. That's the thing. Like it might have been. Yeah. When yeah. You just like don't that's know. what's so compelling about it for me. Like th I remember there was one where you see this. It's like a semi-crowded or semi-populated school and you see someone walking right towards the camera and it, like it comes back and you see him again and they're still walking right towards the camera. Yeah, exactly. That's the, the one where they were doing the 360 mm -hmm. camera yeah. show. And then right? they just cut away to some other scene. It's yeah. like, who knows if that was the thing or not. Maybe they were just walking really slow on a straight line <laughs> towards the space. Yeah, and the film like breaks its own visual rules all the time. <laughs> like in the pool scene, like only she can see the monster, whereas like previously we as a viewer can always see the monster. Well, and in the beach it was forth. the same way, right? Because you would you saw it when he hit it with the chair. Yeah, but when it's like introduced into the scene, we don't right, see yeah, it, that's and that's like the first time that that happens, and that's oh, very okay. that's very yeah. late in the film. Yeah, and it's, yeah. again, because it, you you yeah. end up from the perspective of the other kids. Yeah, right. Like that's that's your spot there. Um, Tarantino talked about this movie. Uh, he, and he said that he liked it, but his critique was that the movie was unclear with its mythology. That it, it's not, it, it, it was imperfect in how, in what rules the thing had to follow. Because he, he was concerned with the idea that they're talking about how it is always walking in, in a straight line, but it also seems to have the ability to teleport from place to place. And it's not mm -hmm. clear how that functions and how that interacts with its ability to change shape. Yeah, and it's like unintelligent, and then suddenly it does things that are intelligent. Yes. Uh, well, didn't the guy say it's not dumb? Yes, at he the did. beginning. Yeah, yeah, which is true, uh, and I think borne out in the film. But I, yeah, I don't know if I care that much. Like, it still like works well, well for me. 
Yeah, I mean, okay. I found the arbitrariness of it to be both at the same time a little silly and a lot scarier. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that becomes this unknown thing. And I think that, that feeds back into really what I think this movie is about, that we don't know the nature of death, right? Like, we can make guesses about, like, how it will get us and how it, what it is, right? But in terms of specific details about how does it teleport around from space to space? Is it really walking in a straight line the whole time? When does it sh change shape? Like, that kind of stuff. There are uh, going to be unknowable questions mm. about the nature of the afterlife that you will never be able to answer until you're dead, yeah. I guess. And that is, I think, part of what's going on here in this film. I, I think the movie does a good storytelling job of the way that it introduces it. Mm -hmm. It's like the kid just explains it to yes. her at the beginning. Although, uh, how did he uh, find out, I wonder? Trial and error. You know, yeah. you know, but that's not even important, though, right? It's like it's great as a viewer because it's like, well, yeah, here, I mean, that's just how it like, works. Go. Yeah, just me being curious, right? Because yeah. he says he got it from like a one night stand, and he yeah. forgot the girl's name and never talked to her again, right? Wow, maybe there'll be a it follows prequel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> figure out what happens <laughs> to this guy. Yeah. Answer all the questions. It's it's uh, like an obvious reference to the thing where it's like. The, it can be anyone. It can be anyone. You don't know who it is. And, and she's then, tied to a fucking chair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and it's like true. it's coming for you. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of thing references in this in this film. That's a good place to draw from. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the greats, right? One of the so, greats. Yeah. One thing uh, about the creature that I found a little funny was that it reminded me of a very popular Ask Reddit thread from a few years ago. I don't know if you guys read this one. I have no idea. Um, it was referenced a lot in Reddit, oh, after, you, so I assume it's very popular. With the but slug it's the, the snail. snail. Yeah. So it's like you get a million dollars and you're immortal. But an immortal and intelligent snail will follow you, and if it touches you, you die. Yes, I do remember this thread. And there was a whole thread about it, and <laughs> it was really funny. And the people that came up with inventive ways to... the concept of the... Yeah, yeah. Exactly. it's basically exactly this movie, except the monster's a little cuter, right? <laughs> right. Um, okay. Yeah, that was a great thread. I remember that one. Like, so I remember like someone had a really detailed answer, and then like the first response was like, just killed it. Like, well, the first response is, you just got baited by a decoy snail. Right, like, that was it. Right. <laughs> and so decoy snail became a bit of a Reddit meme for like a year <laughs> after that After that thread. Yeah, I, no, I'd forgotten about that one until just now, but yeah, that was a great thread. But um, it came out, that thread was about the same time this movie I'm came out, I think. Sure, it wasn't. Because this I was just thought it was really funny. Yeah, this was 2014. And like, Was it okay? Never mind, then my stuff all said 2015 or 16. Right, so I'm saying it must have been inspired by this movie, right? Like they yeah. had to have been thinking about that. Um, Speaking of which, like this movie does kind of fit into a, a, the canon that we've been developing of recent horror movies that are kind of a little different, a little smarter. Um, I don't. How, how do you feel this one fits into those other? I'm talking about things like The Invitation and It and Hereditary and Get Out. And I like all of those films. I haven't seen Hereditary, yet, although I hear it's like an all-time great yeah. film. Yeah. Uh, it, I haven't seen it yet either because it looks too scary. Not gonna lie. It looks so, terrifying. It looks too scary. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I really like all those films, and I like what's happening in horror. I like, I think these are all clever. But every now and then, I run to someone. They're like, "These films are dumb." But they're, they, you know, that's probably the type of person that looks for like a a more traditional, like ring kind of right, and horror that's movie, fine. like ghosts. Ghost story. <laughs> right, and that, yeah, and that, yeah, not a ghost story. Or like a slasher yeah. film, which this film like references, but it's not. It's yeah, and there's Again. so many of those already. Like, if you yeah. want to watch a movie like that, like, they are quite literally a dime a dozen. <laughs> like, yeah. <you> can, <laughs> they're, they're everywhere. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that 
is a little played, and I'm glad that the genre is really taking Cabin in the Woods advice and like doing something new. Yeah, I mean you have to, right? <clears throat> yes. And but there's there's uh, there's like permission to do that now. I think um, mm -hmm. there's financial permission to do it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like these yeah. movies aren't that expensive to make, and they keep making a ton of money. Um, so I think yeah, that this that one is, pulled in like thirty million on like a pretty tiny budget. So, well, well, especially yeah. in a in a post Get Out world, I think we're gonna start seeing more stuff in that vein. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. even Get Out probably gets greenlit because of a movie like this, right? Like right. A very clever horror film. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, just the scale of, of yeah. Get Out's profit, right? Like, yeah. Although <laughs> Keen Pill kind of had like a golden ticket after the TV series, yeah. which is interesting because it's like not. A ubiquitous show, right? Um, but and they really ran with it. I think both of them have done great things. So I agree. Um, I, yeah, I like this movement towards like it's it's one of the few. I, I've said this a number of times. I think indie horror movies <coughs> and animation are like the only place where like interesting filmmaking is happening, <laughs> which feels a little strident to me. Yeah, but I, I concur with. But it just feels like original and. You know, there's like like ideas here. Yeah, and that's like hard to find in yeah. a lot of films. And uh, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head when you yeah. talk about ideas. Like, is that I yeah. think that's what's moving this film. Like, it, and the idea is not, what if there was a monster that follows you all the time, right? Like, the, yeah, the the idea that's moving this forward is like, how do we represent the dread of death in a novel way? Yeah, right. And I think that that when you start your idea there as opposed to just like some plot machination or like how do we make the coolest kill on screen like mm -hmm. then it becomes something compelling yeah right. there's there's a lot going on in this film though because it's also about like the rot of the country yes. and it's like how do we how do we represent suburban america post suburban america mm -hmm. uh where it's like the country's like you know Parts of the country are fine, and we we see that represented in like the suburban area that she lives in. But then you go to the row houses in Detroit, and it looks you could drop a nuclear bomb on there, and nothing would happen. Right. Uh, so, and how do we deal with that, like, in contemporary society? Like, how do we think about that? And, yeah. Well, and it's it's important to yeah. show that in horror because early hor earlier horror films, like in the yeah. '80s, were so concerned with suburban life. We, we saw Nightmare and like it's it it was a critique of the suburban life, but it wasn't a critique that says like what happens afterwards. It was yeah. about how horrible it is in the moment. And that also felt mm -hmm. like it was trying to deal with like, well, there's nothing really to be afraid of. Yes. Um, so what? How? Do, where do we go from there? Whereas like here, it's like it's the landscape from. itself is dying. <laughs> yeah. Like we've done this to ourselves. Like what do what do we do? Yeah. Here? And I I kind of wanted this movie to. Do you, to engage with that idea a little bit more, yeah. I, I think that it depicts it, right? And you get, you you have the very stark difference between like the houses that they're living in in suburban whatever, and when they get to Detroit proper. Like yeah, that, that is it's shown very clearly. But I don't it, know. It's definitely a thematic plot though, because like even at the end, what we see when we <coughs> get back to her house, like mm -hmm. the the pool has like caved in, so yes. like the rot of okay, that sure. part of town has started to like infect it's other other things. They did never show how that happened. No, it's probably no. the monster, but that's knows? that's the guess. But yeah, it's never again not depicted. The I read in on the wiki article for this <coughs> thing that the artist um, 
I think his name is David Crudson, was like a big influence on this. And so Crudson is known for having like these, he's a photographer and his, his photos are like vast. They're, they're huge photos mm -hmm. and there's, there's always something like, they're usually set at night and there's some sort of um, like story in the photo that's happening and you're just getting like a glimpse in, in that photo. So for instance, there's one where there's like a house that's like half flooded and there's like a person who's like awake lying in the water and like looking up at the ceiling and it's lit like very dramatically. Huh. Like mm -hmm. he needs like <clears throat> play lights to like light everything in the way that he does. Okay. And so the the like art direction here is like very similar to that. One of the things that you see in this movie is that like night is shot at night and it's shot really well, which is like very difficult to do. It requires like a lot of specialized lighting and lenses and stuff First like that. First time director. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> um, but they're referencing this artist who, because a lot of his things are like sort of vaguely sci-fi or fantasy, but they're also grounded in like a suburban landscape. Mm. Um, that's interesting. And I, I think it's like a good uh, reference for, for this movie. I think it's a good place to draw inspiration from. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I, I hear you, and like that is interesting. Yeah. Um, I still wish this movie was more about that idea. Or, or yeah. there was another movie that engaged with it more directly. Um, this guy has his second movie coming out. It's been delayed a lot. In December. December early December called Under I the Silver. I saw a trailer for it, like... Eight months ago, or yes. something, or longer. Even it was supposed to come out end of June. Yeah, and then it was supposed to come out sometime in August, and now we're getting an, or a December seventh release date. It's called it, Under the Silver Lake. It looks bananas. It uh, doesn't look <laughs> like it's a horror film. No, it's a mystery movie. Yeah, but it, and maybe even a comedy too. Yes. Um, yeah, I agree. It looks yeah. great. <laughs> like I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm, I am too. It's a big gap between movies. It, yeah, you're right. That's a, that's a good four years. Um, so I I don't know why that is. Um, but it is curious that it was delayed so frequently. <laughs> I mean, directing's hard. So like much. a lot of time with new directors, you'll like you'll shoot a film and then you like sometimes you'll get the golden ticket and you'll shoot Godzilla next or whatever. Right. But, but then sometimes it's like okay, now I got to shoot a bunch of commercials to like yeah, feed and myself and then yeah. I can make my second film. Yeah, he had yeah. some like music videos on his IMDb. Yeah, exactly. Stuff like that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, and especially with first time movies, like he wrote it too. So. If he was writing the script for years and years, which is certainly plausible, yeah, and he makes it like all of a sudden it's like, okay, what do I do next that I've finished this project? Boots Riley did the forever. same thing. It yeah. took him like 15 years to get. To, yeah, uh, to, sorry to bother you, made. Right, exactly. So yeah. who knows? This might have been the same kind of thing. Yeah. Um, we haven't had a chance to see Under the Silver Lake yet, but you know, trailer looks cool. <laughs> trailer looks cool, and it, it's good to see Andrew Garfield doing something weird. Mm -hmm. Right, like because <laughs> he's done Spider-Man and yeah. he did uh, Silence, which I like, but isn't like weird. And like Under the Silver, like looks really bizarre. Mm -hmm. And I, it's nice to see him kind of branch out in that direction a little bit because he's a talented actor. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of which, uh, what do we think of the lead here? Uh, I think her name is pronounced uh, Micah Monroe, M-A-I-K-A -A Monroe. Uh, before this, she did the uh, the guest, which is another early entry in this new horror genre that you, you still have not seen yet. Crossman, I haven't. You should. It's, it's great. great. Yeah. It's super good. Um, and then she returned to the genre with this movie. So, uh, what what do we think of her here? 
I can't, I feel like I can't remember specific <clears throat> scenes of her acting. I think I was too consumed by dread in this movie to think okay. about it. <laughs> That's fair. I, I think she's, she's great, but she's good at playing like scared and traumatized. Like the, she yes. like emotes that really well. I think she emotes it with a sense of control. Yeah. Right? Because I, I never get the sense that she's like frantic. Yeah. Right? Like you get the sense that she is frightened or that she is like feeling urgent, ur urgency. Yeah. But I never feel like she's just like going off the rails. And I like that about the film, that, that, that or about the performance, that she I, is controlled. And yeah, I found her like very relatable. Like, yeah. She's, her reactions like, seemed natural and like the things that she did and the mistakes that she made seemed like plausible yes and, and well acted yes i so, agree yeah um so yeah i've looked on her imdb to see what she's done since now and i didn't see many other horror entries or other she's working I, I checked her she is working uh, she, she yeah. yeah she is doing things so mm -hmm. i i'm wondering if she is trying to carve out or if she was trying to carve out this space in the genre yeah because she does the guest and then this you know within a, a year or two after it um, or trying to branch out more like Anya Taylor-Joy did after The Witch. Yeah. Um, because two really just great performances from two young actors in a similar genre. Um, so I'm curious to see what she does next. It's been four years, and I don't know if she's really jumped any other <laughs> She's in Independence Day. Yikes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see it. <laughs> that was no, I, I looked up her IMDb page terrible. and chuckled when I saw that, okay. and then I already forgot. <laughs> Yeah, just That's like, about as memorable as that movie was. Yeah, as as opposed to Anya Taylor Joy, who I think has had at least a few strong, memorable performances, and at yeah. least one more good movie since uh, since The Witch. It looks like she has a couple of things coming out this year. Yes, I saw that as well. Um, so we'll, we'll see if it goes anywhere. But I like her here, and I want to see her in more things. Um, the other one I like is the Dostoevsky girl, um, who again I don't even know the actor's name, but. Uh, she, I, can find I think, found here. space in this movie in a good way. Right? Olivia uh, Luc Lucardi. Sure. Or Lucardi. One of those. She didn't appear to have been in yeah. much besides this. She looks really young. Yeah. Right, and I think that they, they do that on purpose, right? Like, the Mike, Mike Monroe's a few years older than she, the other three. She's doing stuff. Good. Yeah. She's in an HBO series. Which one? The Deuce. Oh, I haven't seen that yet, and I've been meaning to. It looks really good, and I've heard good things. Yeah, that's the uh, one about the porn industry in in New York in like the early yeah, and then 70s she has a film out this year too called Ladylike. Sure, which okay. is out now. Well, okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> I have not heard of it, but I'll have to investigate because uh, I liked her here and her her and her Dostoevsky quotes. It looks like a college <laughs> movie. Sure. Okay. Um, any any closing thoughts on on it follows? Anything I haven't touched on? Um, I'm curious what you guys thought about her relationship with Paul, because yeah. uh, I was surprised that they went that way at the end with them. It, I wasn't really convinced that they would end up together. I agree, and he kind of has you know, capital N nice guy vibes yeah. to him, which is troubling. Turns out he's a nice guy throughout the film. <laughs> like, nice guy. <laughs> he doesn't do anything bad. <laughs> right, right. You just like get that sense. From you, you get the sense that he does have ill intentions. But well, no, they're, yeah. they're very clear about that from the beginning. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like he has feelings that aren't reciprocated. Yeah. Um, and it's not clear at the end of the film if she is reciprocating those feelings or she's just like passing along the curse. Yeah. To 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 him so that they can deal with it together. Um, 
so yeah, I think that's one of the more challenging parts of this film. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree, and I'm not exactly positive how to. Yeah, because they, they never showed her, like, you know, becoming more attached to him or no, anything like that. They just all. show her, like, resisting him and seeming to be uninterested. So it seemed like a very strange turn. And they just kind of cut to them having sex, too. Right. To, to show you that that has happened. So, like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, yeah it's one of the parts of this movie that I'm not... Yeah, like, I mean, he with. saved her life, but, like, still... Yeah. It's not... That's not the foundation of a good relationship nope. on its own. No. I don't, know, I don't know. I've seen enough action movies to know that it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I, I think, yeah, you raise a, a complicating factor in this film that I'm, I'm, not, I'm not clear what to do with, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, and they had that weird scene where he drives past some uh, prostitutes. Yeah, well, I mean, that one, he's clearly just thinking about getting rid of it and passing it along. Basically right. killing but a prostitute. At <laughs> that point, they're like unsure if they're still cursed killer. by it, right? Because they, they're not sure if they've killed the thing or not. Right, and I think that he's uneven about it as well. That's why that last shot when they're walking down the sidewalk and holding hands and you have somebody walking behind them. <laughs> and, and it's, it's like, like, is, is it? that? Is yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> Who's this person? Who knows? What a great ending. Right, shot. and then it's just yeah. it's done. Yeah, yeah. The, the dread is still there, right? Yeah. Like, even if the thing might be done, the, the, the fear of it is present. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what to do about Paul, I'm going to be honest. He's a, he's a peculiar character in a peculiar movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anything, anything, last thoughts, Grossman? Um, I, I like this one a lot. Yep. It's really worth seeing. It, it is scary. Yeah, I yeah, agree. Unless you're, like, totally numb to the world, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I like the attention in it, and... I think it's good. Yeah, me too. I, I think it's a good entry point into this genre, this, this stage of the genre. Yeah, right. Like it's a good. It, like if you like this movie, there's a, a battery of other films that you probably also yeah, enjoy. Yeah, imitation is a good follow-up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that it's a good test case, a good litmus test kind of movie. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't seen it, or if you're looking to like see what's been going on in horror recently, I think that this is a good place to start. Yeah. Is what it follows. Yeah. Um, so in any case, we'll be back in a moment with uh, Things We've Seen. See you then. And we're back with Things We've Seen. This is a segment where we talk about more recent movies that we've caught up with outside of the podcast. So, uh, Crossman, what have you seen recently? Uh, I watched, in my quest to complete the Purge series, I oh, watched okay. the, uh, the first Purge, <laughs> which is the latest. <laughs> which is uh, the last. <laughs> yeah, Purge, Purge 4. Yeah. Uh, this, I think, is the, actually the best entry in the series. Okay. All right. Uh, the, it's a post-2016 election movie. I think that's important to this. Uh, and there's clear references to, to the election um, in 2016. Um, the framing of the story is uh, as a kind of like technocratic experiment. They're, they've uh, come up with the idea of the purge, and it's just going to happen on Staten Island. And it's going to be twelve hours on it. on Staten Island. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like this idea already. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this uh, is very different from the other purges in its casting. The cast is pray, um, it's uh, like all black actors essentially, um, mm -hmm. and the characters are people who live either in public housing on Staten Island or people who are like associated with this drug dealer. Mm. Um, and we kind of have like a few characters that are focused on in this. There's, there's a woman who lives in public housing, her younger brother, and then this drug dealer are like kind of our, our main characters. <coughs> um, 
And it, I think it does a good job of like being a little more realistic than the other purges. Because mm-hmm. when the purge starts, um, or before the purge starts, the government is like paying people to stay. They promise you five thousand dollars if you're willing to stay okay. on okay. Staten Island. I was Island. wondering. Yeah, you can just take just a bus. Leave, right? and, not get and if it's you a fairy. <laughs> if you participate, they will pay you more, and they have like a way of like monitoring that. Oh okay. A little goofy, but For a kill or something. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they provide people who are like willing to with these like contact lenses, and the contact okay, lenses are like sure. record, and they have like a central place that's like watching. Got it. Uh, okay, that's good enough. What what ends up happening though when the purge first starts though is that people just like host like block parties because like it's it's legal to just like hang out in the street and drink <laughs> that's alcohol. Okay. That's hilarious. And the only and they're participating technically, they're committing a crime. <laughs> yes. Ex- exactly. Yeah. And the only pers- I wrote a bunch of music. The only <laughs> yeah. person that. Like kills somebody is someone who's been already been identified in the movie as a psychopathic person. Interesting. Because only a psychopath would just like go and like kill, kill wantonly. Yeah. Uh, kill yeah. The government is then confused about what's happening. <laughs> the people don't want to kill each other. The, <laughs> we see in some like control center somewhere else. Um, Marissa Tomei, who plays a psychologist who like came up with the idea of the experiment, and okay. a, this is Aunt May's fault. a Sean Spicer-like character, a guy who looks like Sean Spicer, okay. who's like upset and he's like, "Why isn't this? Why isn't this happening? Why aren't people like? Why is your experiment failing?" Mm-hmm. Um, and the, what the government has done is they have hired all these mercenaries to go to Staten Island and to kill people to make the experiment a success, to force the experiment to be a success. They're very explicit that the reason that they want to do this is to, there's not enough resources in the country and we need less people in this country. And they're very explicit. Not the, the Thanos solution. <laughs> yes. It is a Thanos solution, which is like this sort of libertarian dream that if you just like accumulate wealth within smaller yeah. group of people, then we'll be okay. Because mm-hmm. the, there's all these hangers on that are stealing the resources from the people who deserve their resources. Wait, I thought the point of the purge was to relieve stress from being able to murder That's people. in the later that's movies, but the, we're doing... That's the lie. We're, this is kind of like a retcon for okay. that. But it, there, there, that is kind of like, that notion is like referenced in the earlier ones. It's so much more explicit here. Um, and the mercenaries that they're hiring are all white supremacists. So there's like all these like neo-Nazis. Nothing subtle here. Yeah, (laughs) who are going around and like murdering murdering people with government weapons. Um, The turn in the film happens when the drug dealer ruins it. He's, he's, like the things that he's done like Mm -hmm. start to like, are illustrated to, to him. And he realizes that he's, you know, hurt his community and he needs to save uh, the people in, in, the, in public housing. Okay. This is a great turn in the film where it becomes kind of like a Rambo film <laughs> where he's like in a tank top and he has like automatic weapons and he's like him like killing Nazis like in public housing as they're right. like as they're like going up the public housing like trying to kill his friends and right. the people that he cares about in public housing. It's Awesome, <laughs> and it's so good, and it's so good, like for this, like political, this Wild. like moment in politics. Such a clear message, and uh, 
such a like it's so relieving when the film like takes that turn because yes. you're just like you just like want these terrible people to die and the film's like yeah you're gonna, you're you're gonna gonna die. yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it goes from there it's it's uh, at that point becomes like a black exploitation film and it's sure. it's awesome it like really engages with that genre really well that's um, a tough one to land yeah <laughs> yeah and it's. It's uh, great. Uh, very clear Rambo reference. There's shots mm. that look like he's in, in a Rambo, Rambo movie. Um, yeah, this is a great film. It's super enjoyable. I love okay. it. It has the most clear politics of all the purges. Okay. Um, and I, I really like the series. I've, I've said very good things about the other films. I think this is the by far the best one. Okay. Um, great. Yeah, because this yeah. is the one where like they, the poster had... The mega hat, where they replaced the words with the first purge. <laughs> yeah, it's just like that hat on a white background. Uh, and if you, you may remember the commercials for this movie too. They start. It was during the <coughs> 2016 election because mm -hmm. it's like during the run up yeah. to that, or it was like after. I forget when exactly this came out, but the commercials look like political commercials. Oh, yeah, you're where right. they're like, yeah. I, I voted for the new oh, founding yeah. fathers. That's like the the fake fascist party. Yeah. Um, oh, they're also explicit in this film that the new founding fathers are funded by the NRA. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay yeah. then. <laughs> Again, uh, they just are like, yeah, the NRA, like the money comes from the NRA. Wild. Yeah. Huh. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll check it out. I, I think it's like what Black Klansmen like should have been, essentially. Yeah, that movie had problems. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right? I think this is like trying to do the same thing, but has such a clear message about like, how fascism should be treated, where it comes from, right. how its connection to racism. Like, yeah, whereas Black Klansman like, really wasn't interested in those questions at all. It was yeah, mo uh, money, the notion of like money and resources and like how like having resources protects you and not having resources makes you vulnerable mm -hmm. and unwanted in American society. Right. Um, it, this is a great film. I kind of spoiled it but it, it's whatever you know, yeah it's it's a really really good film it's an easy watch it's super fun okay um, yeah I'll, I'll put it on the list yeah you, you've spoken highly of all of them yeah yeah uh, I saw a movie too yeah what'd you say um, so I saw the sisters brothers um, Is, which, that's out yeah yeah oh yeah it's been out for a couple weeks now oh really okay yeah so it's a western um, so of course I went to go see it <laughs> um, it stars John C. Riley and Joaquin Phoenix um, in the it's kind of a dual a hell of a yeah, okay, so those two, in addition to those two, we get Jake Gyllenhaal and Riz Ahmed. Yeah. Um, so fantastic cast, and really, wow. like, it's it's those two pairs that drive the film. Um, it opens essentially like how Tombstone opens, where you have, like, the bad guys coming in to the wedding party. In this case, it's just a homestead where a family lives and destroying it for trivial reasons, wanton reasons, just out of selfishness. Except in this movie, the people that are destroying the homestead are John C. Riley and Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of a Western that opens with a, a telling from the perspective of the Black Hats, right? So it's this, the, 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 vil the villainous characters, and they're, they're really just out there. To, they're, they're working for a character referred to as the Commandant, and he pays them to execute his nefarious schemes. Um, the movie is pitched as, and if you watch the trailer, it's pitched as kind of this action comedy, right? It sounds yeah. like you might have seen the trailer. Yeah. Yeah, so it has like this pop rock song over it. It basically like every joke in the movie is in the trailer. It's a lot of quick cuts. A lot of like the action moments are, are in there. And that is in this movie. However, the bulk of the movie is really more of a meditation on the cyclical nature of violence 
and the effect of greed and toxic masculinity on that violence. It has a proto-socialist uh, message. Uh, the Riz Ahmed character has this dream of going to Texas and setting up a society where everybody is provided everything that they need to live. And you're like, a Walden, like, <laughs> more like a Marxist society. Okay. Like he, he talks about how like everybody can come there and they will be provided and their needs will be provided for and things will be shared and it'll be this open open culture. Um, and it's pretty clear that that is that he's referencing Marx in that moment. This would have been pre-Marx or concurrent with Marx, but that is what he has in mind. Um, the Narrative takes place, on, again, on, on two tracks. So you have the Joaquin Phoenix and John C. Riley characters following the Jake Gyllenhaal and Riz Ahmed characters um, on behalf of this, this commandant guy. Uh, they eventually catch up with one another about halfway through the movie, and they come to realize that they really don't have any reason to fight one another. <laughs> there isn't much of a shootout, it, despite that's what the movie's been building up to this entire time. So they kind of decide not to fight and work on trying to build the, site, the beginning of the society and like working out their differences together. Uh, more things happen from there. I don't want to spoil it because it really was good and I liked it a lot. Um, but it takes a lot of unexpected tonal turns away from what you would expect of a traditional Western without denying that it's a Western. It still is embracing the tropes of the genre and the, mm -hmm. the accoutrements of the genre. Um, so it's, it's really a, a great movie with four excellent actors doing some, some good work um, in, a, in an unexpected way. Um, so yeah, I, I, I recommend it highly. I don't want to say much more because it does go in some directions that you wouldn't expect it to, uh, but the movie is called The Sisters Brothers. It is screening right now, um, in, at least in larger cities it is, and hopefully it gets a wider release at some point because it's really good. Nice. Yeah. What do we got next week, Crossman? Uh, we're going to watch the 87 The Lost Boys. Yeah. Sweet. Get a yeah, vampire yeah. movie in there. Yeah, <laughs> not the 2002 remake. There's a <laughs> remake? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know There's that. There's a TV series, too. That's, of course there is. Of course, <laughs> of course there is. Uh, yeah, The Lost Boys, the original Keeper. The, the Jack one. Bauer one. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, if you're liking the show, please share it. Um, we've been getting some shares recently that we sincerely appreciate, so thank you for doing that. Yeah. Um, and if you have any comments or critiques or questions, we are very available, so feel free to contact us. And join us next week for The Lost Boys.